Welcome to Dwarfs Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Thor, Love and Thunder. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we like to talk about, uh, well, games. But we have also done every single Marvel movie in history at this point. So we just got to keep going. We just got to well, keep going with it. Every I've also... single MCU movie we haven't That's done. That's true. We haven't done the original Raimi trilogy. We haven't done Blade. Right. We haven't done any of like the recent TV shows, which yeah. like I want to do, but I also don't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I feel that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this movie, Thor: Love and Thunder, the newest uh, Thor movie directed by Taika Waititi. Um, so pre-spoiler opinions. Uh, I thought it was okay. I thought there was some interesting cinematographic decisions. Um, I thought the plot was a mess, and I've got some other specific complaints uh, to get you out for the spoiler warning. Buddy, how did you feel? I thought it was bad. Okay. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought I was in the in the bad zone. I mean, so we have talked before in the Marvel movies, um, and I have sort of these three categories where it's like actually good, fine, and bad, right? Um, so, for instance, uh, you know, my favorite Marvel movies – Age of Ultron, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, right? Like, those, I think, are actually, like, for real, very good, very good films. And then you have this stuff in the middle. You have Black Widow, Shang-Chi, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Iron Man 2, Guardians of the Galaxy. And then there's the stuff that I think is at the bottom of the list, which is Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, right? Um, and I have weirdly put more of the, of the recent films in that, in that section... Than I expected, and I think Blood and Love and Thunder. I always want to call it Blood and Thunder. Thunder I think yeah. Love and Thunder belongs in that in that realm. It reminds me of Eternals, Doctor Strange, Spider Man No Way Home, all of which were movies that I did think were bad. So yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> so I don't know the the kind of like barometer for me, I guess, is gonna be Black Widow because Black Widow is like the like it is bad but it's also like the most cookie cutter mediocre movie i think of the whole set and i think this is slightly better than that i don't think it's good but i think it at least tries to do some interesting stuff so i'm going to give it credit on that front um something else i also want to say just here before the spoiler section because I've, I've i have seen this online discourse um and there's like a lot of people online who have decided that like cape shit movies are the worst shit ever and now taika watiti is like an untouchable because he has succumbed to the cape shit um i do want to say that like I still like Taika Waititi in general, right? Like, similarly, I didn't like, um, what was it? Uh, I didn't like The Last Jedi, but I still like Ryan Johnson as a director. And so just kind of as like a little thing, just a little bit of a plea to people to like, you know, don't just hate, you know, people all the time now because you didn't like a single thing that they did. That's how things go. Um, I don't know. I just saw like all sorts of takes about how like, you know, you know, ah, oh, Taika Waititi has like fallen from grace, right? It's like he had a bad movie, guys, right? Like, you know, it's not the end of the world, but you know, that's 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 the last thing I want to say before the spoiler wall. Did you want to say anything else before before that? I guess I, the thing that I wanted to say that was really like the the weirdest and most disappointing part in a in a flyover view was two pieces. First, it was chemistry. Um, something that I thought that this movie really lacked was chemistry between the characters. Uh, I felt like. They were all, you know, it's funny. They weren't stiff. It's sort of the opposite of stiff. They were gelatinous <laughs> or something. They, they were they were gooey, right? Like there was no sort of um, 
uh, structure to to them, which sort of felt like they were not real people having conversations, right? Which is interesting because you don't you normally see bad chemistry because the actors are stiff, not bad chemistry because the actors are too fluid but like that's sort of what that's sort of what we ended up with and sort of what happened um and also the action was really dog shit um it's funny because we were talking about fast and the furious and one of the things i mentioned was there was this big movement in the fast and the furious fandom around fast and furious 4 right which was very cgi who's cgi cars driving through cgi tunnels right um and there was this big movement that was like we want practical stunts right we don't want to watch cgi cars doing bullshit you know doing bullshit we want to watch real cars doing this this bullshit because that's cool and that's interesting right um i have a very similar note here all of the action was so cgi'd that it was incredibly lame intensely boring there was maybe one interesting thing that happened a couple of times in like the fight scenes but otherwise it fucking sucked and i hated every second of it um and uh yeah that's that's th those are those are my two big failure points okay i i have i also have a couple of like things to, to complain about on the other side but i'm gonna wait till the other side of the spoiler wall so you want to put it wanna uh Transfer, so here's a spoiler warning. If you want to see Thor, Love and Thunder uh, before um, before you listen to this, this is your warning to go. Uh, three, two, one, spoilers. Uh, so the thing I want to bring up, and I think this goes along with your kind of like um, character, I don't want to say it's chemistry, but like maybe along with the like gelatinousness point you're bringing up, is I think that the one of the biggest things of this movie is it's a bad sequel to Thor Ragnarok, which is also directed by Taika Waititi, right? Like, which is, you know, and yes, we had Endgame in between, but, like, I think, I think you could take, like, the two Endgames, right? And, like, Thor's not, Thor is at, at best one among an ensemble of characters. I think he's of relatively reduced stature in those movies, and so I can forgive a lot of what happens in there. But Thor's arc inside of Ragnarok is, you know, becoming a leader and knowing when to set it aside, and, like, it feels like all his character development is completely unwound at the start of this movie, right? Like, he's just, like, Thor, almost at the beginning of Thor 1 levels of Thor, um, in terms of, like, his, like, arrogance. And he doesn't really pay a price for it, right? Like, it's not like his arrogance is an actual problem. It's just kind of, like, I don't know, maybe it's just supposed to be him be presented as being in a funk. Um, but, like, I don't know. I also thought it was, like, I don't disagree with the decision, but it was weird to, like, for them to, like, you know, Tease him being part of the Guardians, and then immediately jettison the Guardians within like you know fifteen minutes to the start of the film. Yeah, um, my real hope is that Guardians Three goes back and covers the period of Thor being a true blue member of that team because I like I think that's legitimate, right? Like I think that it, he is an interesting piece of that puzzle and makes for an interesting dynamic. And I actually liked all that stuff. That was before I fell off the movie, right? Like I was like, Oh yes. Right. Like Thor being kind of whatever and not taking his, his stuff with the guardians like super seriously. And then he shows up to quote unquote, save the day, but actually like ruins the, like the temple, right? Like all of that worked for me. It was that, that was before we kind of got to any of the, the issues or the struggles or the problems, um, with the, with the movie. Um, and, uh, I really hope that that doesn't fall away. Right. That guardians three does not pick up after, you know, 
Thor having having left the team and instead, I don't know, just like tell some story while they are all together as a unit. Yeah, I mean, or maybe or like maybe he comes back after this with his kid or whatever. Um, um, just because like the the only thing that I didn't particularly like, and I don't think this matters in, in on Thor: Love and Thunder's terms. But in the context of that opening scene, he basically trivializes the entire Guardians team, right? Um, and obviously, you can't tell that story in a Guardians movie, so I'd, I'd be interested to see how they like uh, develop that. I do want to say that I think the trailer for this movie was pretty good, in that it didn't, in, in, like, on its terms as a trailer, and that like all the stuff in the trailer basically is like disposed of within like the first thirty minutes. Like it's yep. uh, like a like a, a real kind of like bait and switch of a trailer, which I like actually. I like not having the whole thing spoiled for me. It's just a shame that the thing that wasn't spoiled wasn't very good. Um, uh, you know, because like Lady Thor or not Lady Thor, Mighty Thor shows up within like thirty minutes uh, of like the movies of this two hour movie, which I thought was good, right? Like I thought it was good that it was uh, again didn't get drawn out. I just thought a lot of this movie didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I thought the plot was kind of a mess. I thought the, like, not the, like, the overall stakes made sense, but, like, the moment-to-moment stakes, I guess, is the way I'd put it. Like, one of my big things was, like, oh, he stole the Bifrost. How are they going to get back? And I guess that's just a thing that Zeus's lightning bolt can do. Okay. Yep. Right? Like, where did that go? Like, what? Like, that felt like a moment that was supposed to be played for tension, and, like, kind it really wasn't that tense. Um... I don't know. I feel like they tried to do way too much with this movie for for its runtime, right? Like, I feel like you need to chop a couple different things off in order for it to make sense as like a, a whole plot. What do you think? I had I had similar thoughts. Um, really, so my thing when it comes to like the 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 acting being too fluid is also baked into this, right? Which is like, it felt like the characters were not members of the the overarching movie plot it felt like i was watching 20 individual vignettes that were riffs on the same core characters but a little bit different each time right where it just felt like their relationships were not sta- like their relationships were not static their personalities were not static um they i guess and, and maybe that, that is really what it was like the riffing right like the improv nature of it right um where it just kind of felt like i was looking at a you know, like a badly Xerox copy of the character from the previous scene every time they kind of moved into into the next scene, right? And layered on top of that are these plot problems, right? Where it's just like, I, I, I have no idea what I'm supposed to care about. Am I caring about the threat that Gore poses to the gods of the galaxy? Am I caring about the kids? Am I caring about, you know, the st- the like the status of... Thor's relationship with with Jane, you know, like all of that stuff didn't fly as far as uh, as far as I was, you know, concerned. Um, and it kind of just left everything feeling a little bit like limp and a little bit hollow in the first place, um, which is, you know, in direct comparison to something like Ragnarok, which was very focused in terms of where its stakes were and what the plot was about. Right, like we meet Hela, she does. Or Helia, I think is what she called. She's called in this. She, or no, no, no. Helia is wow. We meet Hela. She does really bad, dangerous shit right off the bat, and completely like fucks up Thor and Loki. And Mjolnir, right? Like, 
Yeah, he br yeah, breaks Mjolnir, and we keep cutting back to her as she is taking over Asgard and getting closer and closer to, like, realizing her goal of becoming this, like, conquering warrior, you know, like, warrior god, right? So, like, I just, I always felt like we were rooted in that story for the duration of, you know... Uh, Thor, Thor Ragnarok. I was definitely not rooted in the story either. You know, like I, I actually quite liked Gore the God Butcher just because I, I don't know. Chris, Christian Bale was sending it. Like yeah. he's not quite doing the thing that would make me like go nuts, right? Like the Kylo Ren, you know, General Zod thing where he is a super ham, and I want to quote every fucking line he ever says because they're all iconic. Um, but he is definitely hammy in a sense, um, and kind of going the hardest out of out of all of these guys, which which I appreciated. Yeah, um, I, I almost opened this by saying, and today we're gonna have Buddy explain comic things to Mango, um, because you know in the grand tradition, I'm probably going to ask you a bunch of questions about. The comics is Gore a character from the comics? So, so he is. But the weird thing is, I don't know these comics. Okay. These are from comics that I I haven't read because they're relatively recent. Um, I did read the original Lady Thor run. I shouldn't call it that. Whatever the original Thor right. run. And I remember with, at the time you said you weren't a fan of it, right? Yeah, it sucks. It is bad. And this movie is it dodges the problems that that book had, but it is also bad, right? Um, the problem with that book was that it was so. Um, overbearing, I guess, in sort of the feminist metaphor, which, like, I don't actually really mind that stuff. You know, like, this isn't coming from one of the, like, I I, I guess I want to clear clarify, I have the SJW bona fides, right? Like, this isn't coming at it from, like, the Sargon of Akkad angle, right? I am trying, I am dodging it from that piece of, uh, you know, from that piece of the puzzle. But it's one of those things where they introduced Jane and as Thor, and they turned Odin and Thor Odinson, right, into kind of chauvinist assholes out of nowhere in order to facilitate the drama of Jane becoming, like, Jane becoming Thor, right? Which, the the problem there is not the feminist politics that under underwrite it. The problem there is rewriting your characters to be completely different just because you want to turn them into, you know, a, like a foil for the new character, right? Um, in the way that, like, people talk about how, and again, I dispute, I dispute this, I'm raising my right hand to God, I dispute this. But in the way that people talk about how Luke feels like a betrayal of the, you know, the the Luke Skywalker, in Luke in The Last Jedi, feels like a betrayal of the Luke Skywalker that they know and love, right? Like, the one that they, they want to see, it's the same sort of thing. Thor and Odin and a lot of other characters in that in that initial run with Jane Foster as Thor um, are really, really different characters, and it sucks. It just sucks to read that, right? Um, so uh, yeah, well, you but know, I I don't I don't have the same bona fides as you do, um, and I do think <laughs> there was a betrayal of of Luke. But I, I will say that like at least the more considered criticisms of that comic that I read at the time were driving at that. Obviously, they they pinned the reasons for that on, like, you know, political motivations outside of the world of the comic, which, you know, yeah. you can dispute or not. But, like, you know, I to your point, though, right, like, 
this movie is bad for different reasons. There's one moment that really points to that, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. My yep. theory is that, like, maybe Taika Waititi wanted to do more of it, and the, and the Marvel people didn't let him. Because, um, uh, it, it, like, you know, you know, Gore calls her Lady Thor, but, like, it's not like he... It's not like he's like a chauvinist or anything. Just yeah, like, this is the perfect. This is the problem, right? The, and and weirdly enough, I th there just hasn't been a good example of it that I can think of um, in any of these, you know, like in any of these Marvel movies where they have these like female empowerment moments, right? I'm thinking about the "I'm just a girl" moment from Captain Marvel. I'm thinking about the big moment with all of the women superheroes from Endgame Game or whatever, right? Like that. It's it's. It's completely hollow because the stakes of the story have nothing to do with that. I guess maybe you could make the argument, yes, in Captain Marvel, technically speaking, the relationship she has with one character who was not in the fight scene that she plays the I'm just a girl song in, right? That relationship is a sexist relationship which she punishes him for, right? At the end, with this Jude Law's character who she blasts into a mountain or whatever. I don't remember his name. I don't remember any of those characters' names. But like for the rest of the movie, right? It's like Okay, you're gonna you're gonna sell me on this female empowerment anthem, but the real bad guy of the movie is the Kree Supreme Intelligence, who appears to her as the feminist coded character, like Annette Benning's feminist coded character, who is Marvel, and it's just like what? This doesn't make any fucking sense, right? Like, make it make sense, right? And then in Ragnarok, or not in Ragnarok, and then in Love and Thunder and Endgame, there's just nothing, right? Like, there's no interaction. We, Gore could be from an entirely asexual species for all we know, right? I guess actually that's not true. He we do know daughter. that he has a daughter, so right. yes, there are many right. A daughter who he species. loves very much, right? And like the whole <laughs> exactly. But it's not like he's like, you know, he doubts her power. It's yeah. not like when he pulls her, and, and I was actually sort of expecting something along these lines, right? Like, he pulls her in and he says, oh, there's something different about you, right? And I thought that he was going to make it about the fact that she is like him, right? Like a mortal who has ascended to godlike power, essentially, right? Um, or something along those lines. And maybe you could make, a, you could make an argument. You could, you could see in that moment that he would say something shitty and sexist. And, and okay, we have set it up, right? He is a, a dickhead because he is sexist, sure. Um, but in a world where that uh, doesn't factor into it at all, the ladies Thor thing just seems like very, Honestly, very like, in, in man, a, this is the Wendy's. I would <laughs> say like in a different movie, right? Like in like, you know, like, like either like a nineties comedy or like, you know, you know, some like, you know, uh, you know, say rightly, you know, like a daily wire version of this movie, right? Like that <laughs> moment or like in like a, you know, a comedy parody, that moment is just played as parody, Right? It's like, you know, it's like, oh, so I guess your lady story is like, I'm not a lady, right? Like, it's like, you, you play that, it's like a joke, right? Like, like it's, 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 it's so nothing. It's, it's mind boggling. I, I think part of it too is like, you couldn't really do that to Gore because, like, obviously, the kind of emotional, uh, you know, uh, climax of this movie is Gore, you know, uh, repenting, right? And turning around, and you can't really do that if he's an irredeemable dickhead, right? He just has to be like a misguided, um, a misguided evil person, right? Like he has he has to be redeemable, and like you can't be like a run of the mill asshole and be redeemable generally. Where it's a harder thing to set up, right? Yeah. Like, yep. Um, I definitely agree. Yeah, but I think that's part of why this movie is so fucking confused, right? Like it, it wants to. I think, I think Tyke like 
you know, and I, I obviously can't read Taika Waititi's mind, but I feel like he wanted to do like a more goof, goofy movie, kind of like um, what we do, what or the what we see in the dark, what we do in the darkness, whatever. What we do in the shadows. Yes, that one. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what we do in the shadows, but like it needed kind of like, kind of more emotional re- uh, resonance. Like I was, I thought like Jojo Rabbit was okay, and like I really loved Hunt for the Wilder People, which is like ideally I think what this movie would be aiming for, but I also think that like. I don't know. Maybe I want to blame this on the suits. Maybe they were trying to make it more of that, like, Marvel humor stuff. I will say, I thought most of this movie avoided the bathos trap that a lot of other movies in the Marvel hits into. But the jokes were also kind of bad. So it's like, the problem with the humor wasn't, like, the bathos element. I thought they just weren't good jokes. Like, like Jane riffing on her, like, on her, like, uh, on her catchphrase. I thought that was just, like, not funny. Right? Like... In a weird way, I actually do think it falls into the bathos bath, but it doesn't fall into the trap just because the whole movie is so soaked in it, it doesn't matter, right? Like, the movie has such a fundamentally comedic tone, no matter what, that I sort of didn't mind. In the same way that, like, you know, for instance, um, you know, I've been watching, I, I don't know why, I keep watching on repeat, pop star Never Stop Never Stopping, right? A comedic... Uh, I, I guess I want to say mockumentary. It's a little bit of a mockumentary, yeah. right? Of this music biopic of of uh, you know like a modern of like a modern pop star. That movie includes plenty of bits that are absurd and comedic and you know bathos funny, right? And I but I still that that world works because it is fundamentally a comedy, right? And I can still take sort of the emotional stakes of Connor and his friends having trouble. Even if the you know even if the um, the movie itself is built on this kind of humor that is close to bathos humor, right? I think a similar thing happens in Thor. I actually kind of was on board for the premise of these emotional stakes, and but you just kind of sink into it because that's the kind of guy Thor is, right? That's kind of the story this this movie is. It is not an otherwise dead straight movie that includes a couple of choice moments where you get this severe whiplash. It's just sort of soaked in it, so you never notice it. There is no whiplash. There's no dissonance, right? See, I, um, I, I but kinda, it just I kind of disagree with you. Like, I, I think this movie totally wants to be, like, a screwball comedy or a parody, like you're saying, like, never stop, never stop popping. But it kind of emotionally wants to be a rom-com almost, right? Or, like, maybe not rom but, like, one of those, like, I don't know, dramedy. I'm, I'm not getting the – but, like, you know, it's a comedy, but underlying it is, like, a serious message that you take seriously. And, and like, the emotional moment has real emotional stakes. Um, uh, but, like – in something like like something but like in in like a screwball or like a parody movie right like um those are all played as laughs because they are overwrought right like it's it's mocking that and it wants to do both at the same time and i think that's part of the fundamental tension here right? okay so interestingly i don't think i would agree with that my th- okay. i do agree with you that it would it wants to be a romantic comedy right um or maybe a, a bit of a screwball comedy between like these two characters their exes they're fighting, you know, whatever, supervillains together, etc. But I think that it fails on the level of just being, of just delivering that, right? For Which is the opposite of the bathos problem. The bathos problem is a movie is successfully delivering on these things, and then the bathos undercuts it, right? right. This one, it just doesn't deliver in the first place. There's nothing for the bathos to undercut because I don't believe these 
characters, their relationship, none of that stuff works but it's even on its own. So I agree with you, but it's trying to do that, right? Like, Jane Foster has cancer, right? And that is not played for laughs, right? Like, this is, we are supposed to feel bad that she's dying of cancer, right? There is a, you know, a second, there, there's, an, there's an emotional, another emotional climax where Jane chooses to pick up the hammer again to save Thor, and this is her dooming herself to death, right? Yeah. And, like, honestly, that moment, like, kind of works in its own microcosm. Like, I like I felt the feelings I was supposed to feel, but it felt hollow because the rest of the movie doesn't really, like, build to that, right? Other than, like, it's, like you said, it's like a bunch of vignettes, right? A bunch of vignettes yeah. that are disconnected. And maybe part of that is just because when Jane's holding the hammer, she doesn't show any of the cancery parts, right? Like, I don't know. It, it just, yeah. it just doesn't work. And, like, like, you know, like, the plot points don't quite work, right? Like, I guess Thor can now hand out the power of Thor to a bunch of kids for a little while. Yeah, I, so the kids part is another thing I want to talk about because I fucking hated it. I thought it was awful. And I, you know, and I don't want to be that guy because, like, you know, so for instance, um, I've talked about Patrick Willem- Willems in, in the past on the show, right? He's he's a derpy award-winning. Derpy award-winning YouTuber, Patrick H. Willems, had an episode where he talked about The Last Jedi. And one for, for a bit in that, he pulls out a a big placard sign that has these are mo- these are space wizard movies intended for children or something right which ended up going viral in all of the worst ways as taken as kind of the most bad faith kind of um like the like the most uh uh just in the in the most bad faith way by people who really hate the last Jedi, right? Like they kind of prop him up and that moment up as a straw man as oh well you know, you say that the movies are for kids, therefore it doesn't have to make sense, right? Which is obviously not the point he was making at the time. But it is the, like, the that underlying sentiment is something that I am attuned to, right? And I never want to shit on a movie that I feel like is simple or basic, but it's for kids, right? So, for instance, I watched a movie this weekend on, on Netflix called The Sea Beast. It just looked... And by the way, you should watch this. It's, it's actually kind of cool. It is about monster-hunting pirates who go out and kill you know, giant leviathans or whatever. I guessed the plot points when I saw that the first monster looked pretty lovable in the first five seconds. I was like, I bet that they're going to realize that it is wrong to kill these monsters and that the monsters are good, actually, and that pirates hunting them is bad. And that is exactly what happened. But I also know that it's a kid's movie, right? So I'm not going to hold that against it. That's fine, right? That's whatever. And and there have been other superhero movies that have done this, right? Um, Maybe the best example is Shazam. I was going to say, it felt like... Someone watched Shazam and thought, like, someone in the MCU boardroom watched Shazam and thought, we can do that, <laughs> right? Like, it's lightning. We got yeah. a lightning hero. We even got and a lightning that, bolt. And the, made, <laughs> and the thing that made it work in Shazam is all of those characters, you, like, you get introduced to all of those kids. There's only six of them. They all have really out, you know, like, outsized, easy-to-identify personalities, right? You meet them in the first five minutes of the movie. Nah, not, not the first five minutes. You meet them in the first couple of minutes of the movie. They're sort of set up. He has a deeper relationship, obviously, with Freddy, but, like, all of the kids have their own thing, and you kind of get it. Oh, boom, now the, you know, the fat kid is the super buff guy with the strength of Hercules, right? Boom, the the kid who talks really fast has super speed, right? Like, all of that stuff just makes sense, and I can immediately see it. If I was, you know, a dad, I would show this movie to my kid and I'm sure that they would go apeshit for it. But it's like here, the only one of those kids that gets any characterization is Axel. And 
we don't even really stay with them for longer than just being a part of this bland action scene where individual like moments are sort of played for laughs right they all choose a different weapon and one of the girls chooses her stuffed bunny rabbit as a weapon and is shooting lightning out of its eyes or whatever which i guess is like i like on a on a purely like visual comedy level i get that or whatever but it just feels i don't know i hated it i thought yeah. it was bad i wish they didn't have it in the movie <laughs> like yeah i mean i mean i get what like the kids being there as kind of like you know, as as stakes makes sense because, like, you know, it also like, but like the part of the problem is is like there's no reason like the only reason we care that Gore is going to kill all the gods is going to kill Thor, right? Like, yeah. we actually don't care about any of the other gods. In fact, most of them are antagonistic, right? Like, um, uh, so but like, and so like I guess it's a, a decent like it did solve the question I have, which is like, how is he going to get the kids out of there? Sure. Right, like, it's just, it's just, it was bad. It was bad. Yep. Um, there was a lot of introducing of plot points too, like which which was which were just very rapid fire that I thought didn't work. This is something that I think is the hallmark of a lot of bad movies fall into this problem where they don't have sort of a singular defining goal. They kind of have this ever shifting like MacGuffin, right? Where first it's oh well we're trying to find Gore now Gore has st stolen the kids now. We need to go get an army of the gods. Now we need we need Zeus's lightning bolt. Now we need, you know, it's just like all of these pieces of the puzzle are like, it's like it's like building a, a house of cards, essentially. Each time, you know, you're trying to get higher and the whole thing is just like flimsy and rickety and I can barely pay attention to what thing that they're looking for. And I was like, is this supposed to be a payoff that they did need an army and that the army that they needed was the kids or what? I just, I don't know. All that stuff. Yeah. I, I do want to say there is one thing that I, I thought was very good looking in this movie. I really liked the whole sequence that, like, it seemed like it was an homage to a trip to the moon. Um, like, the fight on the moon with, like, the, like, I think it was, like, a lower frame rate. I thought that looked really cool. Um, and I enjoyed that that, that that whole section quite a bit um, on its own terms. Um, I don't know if it really did a ton for the plot, but it looked cool. And it was my favorite part of the movie just because it I thought it was, like, interesting cinematography and interesting visuals. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I, so, hmm, I guess I did like that part on, on, a, on a visual level. I didn't like any of the action in the movie. The one thing that I thought was clever in the action in the movie was, uh, Jane had this ability to shatter Mjolnir into its individual component parts and do stuff with it. Um, and that was it. That was really the end of it. I didn't think any of the other action. I thought, in fact, I thought a lot of the action was, like, noticeably really bad from a CGI perspective, right? Um, when it came to just, like, when you're watching Thor. Okay, so the thing that I talk about when I talk about the action in Man of Steel that really hits me is the impact, right? Where, and, and the mechanics of it are, are very simple. It is the camera follows the fist and then when it punches the person in the face, the camera switches to the face and follows the face as it goes flying, right? Superman punches Zod and then the camera follows Zod as he, you know, 
blasts through these buildings. And that gives the action this sense of the sense of weight and impact, right? Because you are watching, you know, Superman zoom into the scene and smash this guy at a million miles an hour and he goes and he goes like flying, right? Um, so just on like a raw momentum kind of preservation of motion level, it it really works for me. The action in this movie was always rooted on Thor which I thought looked really bad because it just makes it all feel hollow. And like these, like he's not at, like you can imagine he's in a green, he's in like a green screen room and he has a nerf green screen rod and he's swinging the rod around and that's the hammer. And he's, you know, smashing into these, things and they go and they go flying in every which direction but like all of this feels entirely weightless right like there's no there's no uh that's really it there's no weight to it right because the camera never moves with any of the hits with any of the punches right um and and so that was the stuff that 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 sort of drove this sort of drove me up a wall when it came to when it came to the action. And then there was some stuff later. There's a little bit of like the one v one where Thor is fighting Gore, or maybe um, like Jane is fighting Gore, and they kind of do these like hammer versus sword, axe versus sword kind of like tete a tetes. And those are maybe okay. Those maybe like rise to okay. But otherwise, yeah, like yeah, just say it. <laughs> um, and you know, like I think there's like. I could see like an argument that the point was that they were it was supposed to feel weightless because Thor is so strong, but I, th I tend to agree with you that it, like that's still like not great. I think it's every frame of painting who is a YouTuber who hasn't released a video in a long time, um, but I think he, he got a new job. He quit YouTube. Oh, actually. did he? Um, mm -hmm. I believe yeah, he, he posted has... like a thing about it a long time ago. I I think it was him, but somebody I, he posted a video about Jackie Chan action, um, and essentially, if I remember correctly. His kind of thesis was the the actually you're talking about is actually it's okay, but it's mostly covering for the fact that like these people don't know how to fight, um, mm -hmm. and that the Jackie Chan action, which is kind of like like on impact, like you show you show the sh like you show the shot as it hits, and then you show the same mo moment again on the impact side, right? And that, yeah, um, yeah, that is the thing that he identifies is that when you hit a guy, you actually cut back two or three frames and show the hit again because it's so fat. You know, like obviously this is this is all going at twenty four frames a second, right? It's going so fast that it just kind of powers up the feeling of the hit because our eyes can't process the individual frames or whatever. Um, and that is exactly, yeah, that is that is exactly on it. I have also seen a lot of complaints about uh, Marvel's Phase Four. Um, use of cgi and i think i agree with them um i don't like to be this kind of guy in general because you know i like i said i i think of humans as progressive obviously man of steel is a movie that was shot predominantly against green screens with you know cgi zod fighting cgi superman or whatever right like i don't think that this is a fault of the tools of cgi but i definitely do get the sense that a lot of the filmmaking in marvel since Endgame has been lazy, in my opinion, when it comes to the use of green screens and um, and using CGI to do this stuff, right? Uh, there was a post on Twitter that was just, like, making the rounds where it just showed a really, really poorly, like, green screened element of you know, like each of the last four movies, which I think is, like, it was, like, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, Thor, what's the other one? Oh, Doctor Strange, right? We're just like, you know these guys are in a, you know, like are in a green screen. They're not actually interacting with the world around them. 
and it's bad, right? It just looks, it looks bad, and it looks, and it looks awful. Um, and I really agree. <laughs> I really agree with those. <laughs> I think that I think that they are pretty not great. Pretty bad. <laughs> They're pretty. <Yeah. laughs> like I, I, I think we've officially entered the kind of like, you know, the the too much phase of the MCU, which you know didn't need to like come around, right? But like it's. It's it's weird. It just feels like it, it feels like both like on like a meta level and on like an individual film level that like things aren't being thought about as much, um, right? Like yeah, I don't know, at least at least in the previous phase, like I don't know. My, maybe maybe this is it. Maybe like everything previous to this, like the early the early stages, they were all telling their own individual stories, so you didn't have to worry about the overarching plot so much. And the and like kind of like the mid stages, right? Like we're all leading up to Endgame, right? And like you know like it or hate it like at least like you could feel the plot driving towards that point at some level at least in the meta storyline um i don't think we're gonna or i think whenever we find out what like the end of this is gonna be it's gonna kind of feel like i think it's gonna feel like you know uh in you know this is like a macro version of the sequel trilogy right like no one knows where it's going and so like there's not a lot of like uh not not a lot of there there i guess I also think that it might be um, a little bit on the on the individual directors themselves. I actually quite like the action in Black Widow, to be honest. Um, Fair. One of the, you know, weirdly enough, Black Widow is my highest rated of all of these on my on my individual Marvel notes. It is the top of my fine tier, right? Um, and then Shang Chi is right under it, and um, and that and that actually makes sense because I also did like specifically that bus scene in Shang Chi was really great. Um, and uh, and and worked like gangbusters. Um, so you know, like maybe it's just like an individual. I mean, to your, to your I don't point, know, director's though, level. I feel like the bus scene was a lot more real than like any of the other fight scenes in that movie, right? Because, yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. Let's green screen. Right? It, it, you know what? You know what it reminded me of actually is Black Panther, right? One of the things I really liked about Black Panther is that first fight scene in South Korea, where they're you know they do that that car chase and there's claw and she does the thing where she hucks the spear and you know stops the whole car on it which is sweet right like uh, it reminded me a lot of that action which i which i also thought was very good lou in the chat says it also feels like we've reached a saturation point so maybe we're less forgiving of the flaws i definitely think that that's that's fair and that's true and i also just think that to, to me it's a lack of structure right one of the things that defined the phase two and phase three films of um marvel was the avengers movies right you had avengers you had age of ultron and then we'll kind of put Captain America where every two years we had this big meetup that kind of touched all of the pieces of the universe, right? So we got to kind of keep track of and keep tabs on not just these individual characters, but their relationships with one another, right? Um, whereas ever since Endgame, there's not that core lineup that core like avengers lineup anymore yeah. and so even though we are seeing wanda for instance crossover with doctor strange right and their interactions or um you know we're seeing uh man is that really it i guess they really just have yeah i guess guardians and thor is the only other one shang chi there was nothing black widow there was nothing because it was a time thing no way home i guess was spider-man and doctor strange and Eternals had nothing. So, yeah. It's just like there's there's nothing like rooting them there together, right? Um, whereas uh, having that kind of beat every two years of boom, Avengers movie, boom, Avengers movie, boom, Captain America, which is also sort of an Avengers movie, right? Um, 
kind of keeps, uh, like, it keeps, like, the universe sort of contained, and we get to kind of, like, touch base with everybody. And on top of that, because, and it's weird to say this because everyone hates him now, including me, because, you know, the, the allegations are pretty fucked up. Joss Whedon really set this up for success with the first, uh, the first Avengers movie and the, the Age of Ultron Avengers movie, which were legitimately really good at portraying this group of people as both a like lovable group of misfit outcasts trying their best, but also a legitimately like, group of friends, right? Um, you know, like I think about, it's just like every, every scene in Marvel is always going to be worse than the scene when they're all sitting around after they do the Waco or not Wachovia, what's the fucking Sokovia thing. And it's at the party and they're all trying to see who can lift up Thor's hammer, right? Like that scene is so good at communicating the idea that this is a group of friends who are friends with each other, right? And that makes you care about their relationship, right? Like that makes so all of the work that happens in Civil War happens because of that, that sort of like baseline. But because all these movies are so like disconnected from one another, I'm not seeing any of these characters interact. I'm not... I'm not feeling any of the uh, of the sort of the the tension that is getting built up and released in their relationships. Um, that it all just sort of it all just sort of falls flat. Yeah, um, Lou in the chat points out that uh, we did have one other crossover, <laughs> which is Morbius and uh, the Vulture, I guess, in the Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And technically, Venom, I guess, is also in that universe now. So. <sighs> I'll be. I'll, I cannot wait to see Morbius and Venom on the same screen. I will be. That will. Be if the, we legit, do you think we're gonna get a Morbius too? Um. It's, no, only because they <laughs> they re-released Morbius because of the memes, only for it to tank again, right? Like, well, no. So the, okay, so this is the thing. This is the thing that's crazy to me. This is the thing that's interesting. Orion, no. Oh my God, can you guys hear this? Orion, stop it. Orion is biting the shit out of my mic. Um. The, the thing about Morbius is it actually made money the first time. It made back double its budget in its opening really? in its opening run. Yeah, it was the number one movie of that weekend or whatever. And like the memes are so bad. I talk about this, you know, I, in other places, right? Like I've talked about how like the memification of Mass Effect Andromeda sunk that game more than it deserved because like it just caught fire as this meme of a shitty, awful game or whatever, right? The same thing happened with Morbius. People just said it was so awful that they believed it bombed when it was actually kind of a huge success in, in, in a weird way, <laughs> which I think is kind of neat and interesting. Maybe there will be a Morbius too, yep. and I will fucking shoot myself. <laughs> I could see, see Morbius as a character showing up again. I don't know if it'll be Morbius too. Um, although it would definitely be down, like, uh, I, I know I sent it to you. There's, like, a Doctor screenshot of, like, Morbius and Wong, which, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, would be Oh, great. God. Um, the next Marvel legend. Um, but to, <sighs> to, to your point, though, right, um, in kind of uh, the, the general sense, I think part of what made the buildup to, like, the Avengers movies work is that um, before Avengers 1, these heroes are all separate, and the only like, and there's no reason to believe they would be connected because the 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 stakes, while being important, were not like you know world level. Um, 
and you know you had this little bit of connecting tissue that was like Nick Fury that kind of showed up at the end of every movie to be like and we're gonna connect this eventually and you're like oh boy right and now like one there's like those moments aren't like there's no Nick Fury equivalent right like they're just there's kind of like teasers for the next stuff which is fine at some level but doesn't give you that sense of connectedness and two there's not really like a good reason why there shouldn't be other people around for the most part right like you know if you know like for example in this movie right like it's like oh we will go to omnipotent city and rally the gods to get an army why don't you call Stephen strange right like see if they've got a couple sorcerers they could lend you or something right like well, you know we know everybody's connected. or the eternals who yeah. are canonically essentially gods right yeah You're like gilgamesh is a fucking god right and you can imagine that you don't even have to pick up many you just pick up one or two pick pick your fucking favorite who did you like most bring them along for the ride who, who is right? willing to take take a paycheck right like community johnny hasn't been in a movie for a while needs a paycheck throw him a couple like you know million bucks yeah right? there's the moment in eternals right which is two movies ago at this point which feels incredibly important and monumental where you learn that the earth is harboring a baby celestial right and it starts to hatch it starts to birth itself from the crust of the planet and now there is a reaching hand and half of a head sticking out of the pacific ocean and it hasn't been touched on in any of these other movies what is going on? Like I, I don't know. I keep, I honestly keep forgetting that the Eternals is a thing. Like you know, yep. <laughs> honestly, just just thinking about it, that'd be a good way to get rid of them. Is just show like a screen, like a, a shot where like Gore has killed all of the Eternals and we don't ever have to think of them again. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's all this stuff with the Black Knight and Blade, right? Which, by the way, is in my vague recollection of comics lore related to this stuff with gore i'm pretty sure the cursed blade that the black knight has is i i don't think it is the necro sword but it is related to the necro sword like they have a I don't know. I guess they have some sort of sword genealogy in there. Also, by the way, I'm also pretty sure this is true, but I am not 100% certain. So this is like buddies, maybe misrememberings. I'm pretty sure the Necro Lord, the, 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 the Necro Sword is the thing that created the symbiotes. I'm like, it is the source of like the venom symbiote alien species out there. Um, and like the black goo that like gore is dripping is like the fucking craziest symbiote of it all. Right. Um, I don't know if that, that might be, I might be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure that that is the lore connected behind all of this stuff or whatever, well, but it's all, it, it is all disconnected. Right. And the worst part, and you know what, honestly, this is really what it comes to. The worst part is when things do connect, they don't connect like, they connect in a way that punishes you rather than anything else, which is what, what I talked about in the Doctor Strange movie, where I felt like, where, fuck you for caring, right? You know, oh, you thought that these two developing a friendship in the first movie, but he's, he oversteps his boundaries a little bit, and he's clearly kind of playing at the edge of what the Sorcerer Supreme could or should be doing, and now he's going to come back and punish Stephen Strange for those transgressions? Yeah, that that happens off screen. The one, the one time you actually get a moment with it, it is with a completely different guy who's like a multiverse guy who doesn't have any interactions with this one at all explicitly because the whole movie is about whether or not Stephen Strange is a bad guy and all the multiverses are just this one and it's just like that stuff you even if it were to be there for me to care about right i can't care about it because when i do care 
I'm slapped in the fucking face. <laughs> yep. I mean, you know, you can to your point about like the sword genealogy, right? I can, we, we've learned that weapons have personalities now, I guess, right? Like, I mean, to, also to your point about like kind of like, um, I mean, this is taking it back to the movie pretty particularly, right? Like, um, like there is a like the moment where Jane kind of traps the blade of the sword and then like lightning bolts it, right, to keep it from like reforming. That doesn't make any sense because we don't know have any reason to believe that the necro sword will repair itself right we haven't seen that right this, like there's just like so little thought to like cause and effect i guess is the way to put it or like um foreshadowing i guess like it feels like there's a bunch of cut scenes where you could just be like oh they break the sword once and it doesn't work because he just puts it back together and whatever right like that's like a classic setup for this right like you know in that moon fight right like he breaks they break the sword they're like hooray we've done it and then he does a thing and it comes back together and then the rest of the scene happens and everything's hockey dory which makes the whole point which makes you know jane trapping the sword blade in mjolnir and lightning bolting it makes sense and it doesn't happen and it doesn't make sense right like, lou says in the chat by the way according to two minutes of googling the necro sword is a symbiote but it is not the source of them it's just another example of the icky black alien shit okay fair enough yeah i agree with you when it comes to this stuff with the sword i was actually kind of hoping for something along those sorts of lines like one of the things that's neat about thor is you get to do this stuff right like and, and this is another piece where the movie really kind of, like, failed me personally, which was it abandoned all pretense of being a fantasy adventure whatsoever, right? Um, even in Ragnarok, you know, I had talked about how there's this underlying plot thread, this kind of, like, C-plot, where even though Thor is off doing space adventures, right, um, on, on Asgard, you have Heimdall, who is the sort of, like, leading this resistance excuse me, leading this resistance, right? Um, and all of that stuff felt like it was grounded in the sort of fantasy adventure, right? Like the sort of Lord of the Rings epic that th is the tone that Thor should be playing in, right? In the same way that the tone of Guardians of the Galaxy should be leaning into this sort of sci-fi stuff. All of that is completely gone in Love and Thunder. There isn't a, a second of it, really. Um, because, uh, I don't know, I guess just Taika Waititi hates it uh, or something. I don't know. But, like, one of the things that you can but do he, with that is having these... He did Ragnarok, right? Like, he clearly <laughs> knows how to do this, right? Like... <laughs> that's, that's true. That is, that is fair. Because, like, you know, like, one of the things that I think is very cool about the Thor, you know, like, the Thor stories in the movies is that Mjolnir breaks... And he forges a new axe. And that's his whole thing in Infinity War. And he's like, he's in this crazy forge. And the, he's he's harnessing and the star is like hitting him. But he's just such a fucking badass that he can take the power of a dying star as it heats the forge for this special, you know, like metal or whatever, right? Like, you can do that stuff with Thor comics, right? And if you think that the Necrosword is cool enough that you want to give it a fucking name... You can do that sort of thing with it, right? You can say, oh, you don't have, you, 
aren't the only one with a with a weapon forged in in the heart of a dying star, right? Or maybe it's a it's a weapon pulled out of the event horizon of a black hole, or you know, maybe maybe you know, there's a moment where Jane is fighting him and she's getting the upper hand because she does the thing where she cracks Mjolnir into a million pieces and is harrowing him with all of the shards, and he's like, oh, I can do that too, and he cracks the Necrosword into a million pieces and and like displays this level of power from the sword, right? But you don't get any of that. You just get shadow monsters. Yeah. And, and hey, I I actually thought like the like you know in addition to the moon scene, the parts where he like stabs the sword in the ground and like the shadows kind of draw forward. I think that was that was cool cinema, cinematographically. But like you know, you're just like I don't know. I don't know. It just it just doesn't doesn't do it for me here. It's it's not great. Not great. What uh, what is the upcoming slate of Marvel movies? Do we even know? Uh, I mean, there's supposed to be a Blade movie at some point. I don't know if that's technically in the Sony side universe. Um, what else here? Let's 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 Google it. Marvel. I now I now want to to see it. All right, your full list. This is from May of this year. All right, so eleven. We've got Wakanda Forever. In November. Okay. We got Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in February. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in May. The Marvels in July of next year. I, which I think is supposed to be Captain Marvel 2. Looks like yeah, it's got to be, right? Yeah. Apparently there's another Fantastic Four movie. Ugh. Uh, but we don't know anything about it. Okay, Captain America 4 is another one that's coming. Right. Uh, maybe X-Men. Blade. Deadpool. I think these might be like... I think we're getting into speculation at this point. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, we, we at least have some, some level of certainty, right, with Wakanda Forever. Man, that's going to be weird. Um, uh... The Guardians of the Galaxy and Quantum Mania. Oh, She Hulk. Oh, She Hulk's gonna be in a month. Yeah, there's a bunch of. Well, yeah, some of these are TV series, yeah, right? There's yeah. Ms. Marvel. Um, there's She Hulk. Those are TV series. Uh, is I Am Groot a TV series? There's a Guardians yes, of the Galaxy seems... holiday special coming out. Oh, yeah. Boy. I don't know. If that's... Secret Invasion is a TV series. That one actually feels weirdly poignant because we have seen like a lot of stuff about Secret Invasion. Um, but I don't actually know where where that's going or how that's going to work. Uh, I need to. Has there been a good Fantastic Four movie yet? They keep trying. There has not been a good Fantastic. I don't know. I, I actually sort of do like the original, uh, like the 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 mid two thousands, uh, Fantastic Four movie with Cloud Galactus is actually kind of sweet um, because mostly because it has a good Doctor Doom. Um, but that's maybe that's that's it. Yeah. That movie isn't even really good. It just sort of has a moment. Or a couple of moments that are sweet, where Doctor Doom steals the Silver Surfer's power and and uses it to like fuck up New York City. <laughs> yeah, I I think we need a good a good villain, right? Like, um, just to like who like I've been doing a lot of Eternal stuff. You think the big villain is gonna be Doom, like like either Galactus, like 
I guess. I don't think I would love it if they did Doctor Doom. I actually, so I think they should do Doctor Doom as its own movie. If it were me, if I were Kevin Feige, I would cast Doctor Doom as a villain-focused movie in the same way that I don't know what, what is. Uh, I don't, we don't I, have. I, I guess I want to say Joker, like yeah. oh, is yeah. close to that, or actually. Birds of Prey is also pretty close to that. Um, as and, and and like Suicide Squad. Now that I think about it, like those are kind right. of close to. But, but the, or actually, hopefully, Black Adam. I was gonna say, like the rest of the rest of them are that you mentioned are like they are nominally villains, but they're doing heroic stuff, right? Like Black Adam. Yeah, exactly. The thing that was interesting to me about the Black Adam trailer was we didn't see Shazam, right? And he clearly has like and he's connected, right? He's got the like. Not only do we know he's connected, but he's got the iconography, right? Um, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, the thing that I want, and I don't know that this will happen, but Black Adam versus Superman is a classic matchup. And so my real hope, my copium, my please God, make it happen, is that Henry Cavill comes back as Superman. And even in just like a post credit scene or something, right? Just like, oh, tease it. Please give me this. I want it so bad. But yeah, what's going to happen is at the end of Black Adam... You're going to get, like, another lunchroom, and it's going to be headless Superman and headless Shazam. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Oh, God. Yes. I mean, I actually I have no idea what's going to happen when it comes to uh, that was some, Black Adam and Shazam. That was, um, what's, what's like, Dr. Fate or something like that? Um, what's what's mm -hmm. the character's name? Is it Dr. Fate? Dr. Fate, yeah. Um, is, is, he, is he in the comics Zatanna's father canonically as well? Or... No, no, no. So the thing about so the the, the way Doctor Fate works in Young Justice is pretty true to form. There is Naboo, right, who is this ancient order like being of um, justice, and um, or or like of order and and justice, right? And people who wear the helmet get that power, but he's sort of like not powerful without the helmet. Um, and I think the the original one is Kent Nelson or something. Um, and, uh, but eventually he dies, it gets passed on a bunch of times, right? You know, Kent Nelson's, like, shitty nephew picks it up and, like, learns to be a good superhero, right? Like, that that kind of uh, thing. The whole stuff with Zatanna doesn't, doesn't really play out. Honestly, most of the time, Zatara is dead, right? Zatanna's dad is a superhero who died in the backstory of, of like, any of the individual uh, comics. But the thing that makes this interesting is you see Hawkman, you see Adam Smasher, and you see Dr. Fate. Um, and, uh, and those are all members of the Justice Society, right? Which is, uh, like, canonically the, the precursor to the Justice League, who, you know, are the first kind of generation of superheroes that all sort of, like, band together. And Black Adam is very intricately woven into Justice Society lore, so I'm, I'm just very interested to see how all of that, all of that plays out. But the thing that uh, makes me the, the happiest about that trailer is that The Rock seems to be playing it dead straight, which he never fucking does anymore, and I miss it, and I love it, right? Um, you know, when I was talking about when we were talking about Fast and the Furious, I was talking about how it launched his career, right? Fast Five, where he shows up as Luke Hobbs, the villain in that movie, um, launched his career, and he is just a stone cold badass who only speaks in one liners, right? Like he doesn't give a fuck, and he is not fucking around, right? When it comes to when it comes to that movie, and somewhere along the lines, he grew this, you know, kind of you know, winking, kind of charismatic personality. He's basically like a real-life Marvel character, 
right? Yeah, like he knows. He, it feels like he knows he has the proportions of a cartoon character, and he is like, I I know that this is a little bit silly, but you know, buckle up, we'll have a good time together, that kind of a thing. So a movie where he is not doing that shtick at all, and is just like, I am a complete badass from beginning to end. Love it. Give me every fucking second, please, please, Black Adam, be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, someone's like. I guess it's time for the DC movies to be good because the Marvel movies are being bad. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, what was the last DC movie that came out? Do you remember? Was it Shazam? Or like like as like a I guess I guess nothing counts anymore. Wonder Woman? That's not Snyder Cut. <laughs> oh, the Snyder Cut, that rocked. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Wonder Woman 1984, I guess, right? Like who fucking knows? Um, yeah, who fucking knows? I don't know. Oh, the Batman. God, what are we talking? Well, I, I guess it's that's that's not a DCEU. DC movie, right? Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Who knows when? When anything? What it counts anymore, right? Is it kind of like a decanonate? Like, the, the Justice League happened, and like, maybe nothing connects after that. And you know, there's the real life stuff with Ezra Miller, where like, you know, who knows what? Like, you know, what's happening? Aquaman there. two, right? You know, which also has the weird real life stuff with fucking. Yeah. I hate celebrity drama so fucking much, Mango. Right? Like. Well, but Aquaman well, 2 seems fucking amazing because, according to all accounts, it is a buddy cop movie where uh, Arthur and Orm are teaming. Arthur breaks his own brother out of jail, essentially, and they team up and they go do a thing. And I'm just like, love it, ship it, every second of that is great. Please, I want it so fucking bad. Yeah, I mean, at least at least with Aquaman, like the Amber Heard, like Amber Heard's a secondary character, right? Like, yeah. You know. What are you going to do about The Flash? Like, you have to recast him, right? Like, like they're gonna, apparently they're still going to release this fucking movie, right? Like, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer. <laughs> oh, oh, God. My, my, I mean, The Suicide Squad actually was another one that came out, and that was very good, so. Yeah, but again, like, yeah, I guess. But is it really, like, like how, which of these movies count? Right, like, is like, are they just like <laughs> random movies? Like, are they all random movies floating the void? I guess that's fine. I think Joker's getting a fucking sequel, right? Like, like what? Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Lou says Ezra Miller has lost his fucking mind. He has. Um, I my favorite my favorite version of this is like Ezra, Ezra Miller is just like setting himself to be cast as Reverse Flash. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know who? What the what the fuck? Right? It reminds me of uh, who's that guy that was in the first Deadpool movie and also lost his fucking mind. Um, he was in a bunch of things. He was like he's like the epitome of like frat bro with like a long with like long blonde hair, and he had this like Seth Rogen kind of voice. Fuck, what the, what's that guy's name? What? T J Miller. I oh think is his name. yes, he was. Yeah, also where he was. He was on, yeah, 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 yeah. He was on a train in New Jersey, and he got, yeah, he was on a train and he got drunk and he told everyone there was a bomb on the train and he got arrested for it. It's like, what are you doing? Like, why? Why are you ruining your whole life like this? Uh, yeah, well, DC has given up on the EU concept. It seems they're not trying to mimic Marvel anymore. But now Marvel's doing a bunch of shit that isn't connected, so they're mirroring one one another anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, so the, I guess the last thing to to talk about did you say for the the post credits thing with um with 
with Hercules or, or yeah with, with Hercules. Hulk. Hercules is also a new character. It's like also a famous Marvel character, um, and they have cast a guy. Have you watched Ted Lasso? I have not. Okay, they cast a guy from Ted Lasso, which, to be fair, I think kind of sucks and is bad casting because the thing that is. I guess my thing is with Hercules is they sort of absorbed Hercules' character into Thor in a way. Hercules' thing in the Marvel comics is that he's like big and boisterous and like playful and fun and he doesn't take anything too seriously because he's fucking invincible and super strong. And so like he's just kind of having a good time, right? And that's sort of who Thor is by these movies at this point, right? Like he is, uh, you know, like... He's, he's, he's confident and I, I like, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's sort of, that's sort of like what the, like Thor's personality is. So what are you going to do with fucking Hercules? You could do this. So Unless you, this is not, this is all, this is not the first time. Like, you know, they also kind of did that with Drax and also kind of did that with Gamora. So like you just do it again. <laughs> and they also sort of did it with Doctor Strange, right? Who seems to be defined by this thing where... You know, he just doesn't follow the rules and he breaks the rules all the time. Even though the Doctor Strange of the comics is explicitly not that character. Which is why it is such a good moment when he does break the rules trying to stop the Hulk and loses being Sorcerer Supreme. Because he is fundamentally responsible about the use of magic and how and, and what his duties are as Sorcerer Supreme. Whatever. It's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Actually, to be honest, if, if they do play Hercules a little bit like kind of like darker and more serious, I kind of think that that would rock. Uh, there is another character in Marvel Comics named Ares, right, who is... You know the other son of Zeus, who is um, no relation to the god the, of war. Uh, no relation to the DC Ares, I assume. Other yeah, no. Re well, so d funnily enough, DC Ares and this Ares are very different. R okay, so to put this into perspective, Ares um, uh -huh. Ares has a son whose name I don't remember. His name is like Aphelios or something, and he's like a single dad <laughs> trying to make it. His name is Kratos, and he's a single dad <laughs> fighting his way <laughs> yeah. the Pantheon. That would be the greatest crossover, right? If like, Kratos shows up in this movie. And it's... Yeah, well, so, so part of Thor lore from this time of the comics, right, is that Ragnarok happened, and Thor and the, the, like, the whole Asgardian Pantheon, they all die, right? And this is leading up into the run of comics that I talk about all the time that I really love, the J. Michael Straczynski run, where he brings Thor back, he brings Jane Foster back, he brings back Donald Blake, the character, you know, like, the, the human persona of Thor, all this other stuff. And this is the basis for a lot of the Thor mythos we get, we, we get in the comics. But before that happened, there was an Avengers lineup, right, with, um, uh, which was called, I think, the Mighty Avengers, which was... Tony Stark is the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. He finally has the chance to pick, to cherry pick his own squad of Avengers where he doesn't have to listen to Thor. He doesn't have to listen to, to Steve Rogers, right? He gets to do what he wants and he's going to do it his own way. Um, and uh, and he he goes to Carol Danvers, right? Ms. Marvel. Or Captain Marvel, I guess. Before, she was called Ms. Marvel at the time. Um and the two of them together kind of brainstorm what, like, the perfect Avengers lineup would be, right? And includes, like, you know, whoever. It includes Black Widow. Um, it includes, obviously, the two of them or whatever. But one of the things that they do is they go, you know what? We really need Thor. And then Carol is like, you know what we really need? Wolverine. And then Tony Stark is like... I kind of have the perfect guy for that. And he introduces Ares, who is the god of war and a huge, you know, like, fucking badass, you know, 
super strong powerhouse like Thor, but he also fucking murders people and like plays to to win basically. So much so that by the by the way, when Norman Osborn takes over as head of Shield, right, which is like a thing that happened in that line where you know Tony like secret invasion happens, Tony Stark is blamed for that. Norman Osborn lands the killing blow on the Queen on the Skrull Queen and like his thunderbolt sort of rout the enemy and he gets to take over Shield after that. Ares sticks with him because Ares isn't fucking loyal to Tony. He just doesn't care. He just wants the paycheck of being a super badass Avenger and he becomes a bad guy. And then he later gets crushed by Asgard, which sucked and was super lame. But anyway, if they, if they did Ares, I would be happy with that is my point. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we're well into the back half. So uh, how was your two weeks? Oh my god, my two fucking weeks. Honestly, the biggest story of my uh, of my two weeks, I don't know if you saw any of these tweets, is my insane Hearthstone run, uh, which is maybe the most, just the craziest thing I have ever done in the game of Hearthstone, just ever, basically. Um, so I played uh, a new deck, a Quest Hunter deck. Uh, this is called, um, it's called Questline Hunter because, you know, so, so Hearthstone has these quests and quests are a, um, uh, they're a mechanic where the turn one, you sort of play them and then you do certain things. It gets put into your hand on turn one, right? Yeah, it always starts in your opening hand, and you and it's generally speaking your turn one play, right? And then it wants you to do certain things throughout the game, and then there's a big payoff reward at the end, right? The original quests like typically were just one really powerful card. So, for instance, the mage quest, uh, the really powerful card was a an extra turn spell, right? You got to take an extra turn after this one. Um, the priest quest was uh, a card that let you. Um, uh, set your, you know, like it reset your maximum health to 40. So you could full heal and then gain 10 health and just like heal the shit out of yourself all the time. That kind of a thing. Um, then there was a second set of quests which rewarded you with a new hero power. And the new hero power was like a really strong thing for the rest of the game, right? And sometimes the new hero power was, you know, it doubles your battle cries for the for the turn, right? Or the druid one says you choose one spells, now choose both. Right, so you get both effects for for your choose one spells, that, that that kind of a thing, and that was the deck that I played the last time I went really hard on Hearthstone. I was playing a Quest Warrior deck that was all about attacking with weapons and spawning these four four threes, um, and it was a very niche deck that was nowhere in the meta, and I basically invented it sort of out of nothing. Um, but I just rode that deck for as long as it was like legal, basically. Um, to to win right um and then the new version of quests are called quest lines which is that when you complete a certain number of objectives you actually get a little benefit right so you 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 know you do two things and the quest flips and advances and you get something so for instance in the quest hunter deck the first reward is you can now use your hero power deal to damage to target minions, right? And then the second reward is your hero power is set to zero, right? And then the third reward is a minion that makes it so that every time you cast a spell, you reset your hero power, which obviously costs zero. So, you know, you're slinging spells and, and hero powering their face like the whole time. Um, I picked up on a quest hunter deck that I thought was cool, basically. I just saw it on Twitter, right? Like Hearthstone top decks, whatever. 
just sort of like it popped up on my timeline and i was like oh that looks actually kind of like a pretty neat deck um let me let me let me take a let me take a look at this and i loaded it up and i went on a uh just like an insane winning spree i won i think it was 41 games in a row uh, or not 41 games in a row. It was 41 games and three losses with the record of 26 or 27 wins in a row, right? Such that I was, like, blazing through some of these ranks. And I was just like, how is this fucking possible? To have, you know, like, is the deck this good that I'm just completely, like, blowing out the, the entire metagame? And the answer was kind of yes, to be honest. Um, but the crazy thing is, after three days, right... I started losing, <laughs> which is maybe just like my MMR must have been through the roof at that point, right? Um, you know, you can imagine winning 25 games in a row right. is going to pump your MMR really hard. Um, and so uh, I would eventually go on a huge losing streak. I almost got to Legend, actually. I was in Diamond 1, and I was two or three wins from being Legend. Um and, and then I went on a huge losing streak. I, I lost, I, I think I went like six and 18. So I won six games and I lost 18 of them. Um, or I, no, it was six and 15, right? Which obviously is still amazing. The deck has a 72% win rate over time. It's just that I got very close to legend and then fell back down to diamond three, diamond four, basically. Um, and since then I've, def I've decided to refine the deck a bunch because there's some stuff in there that I don't think is working quite in the way that I want it to. Um, but it is, uh, I don't know. I was addicted to it. I was addicted to it. I was just like, I can, I have to keep, I have to keep running this because it is so, it is so interesting and it's so fun. And I want to go to bat for quest hunter, even though I know my friends are not in here, but I got a lot of shit when I told people about this winning streak because they were like, Oh, quest hunter fucking sucks. You loser. I can't believe you're playing, you're playing quest hunter. And I just want to say, hold, hold your horses, buckos. Because Quest Hunter fucking rules, okay? And is actually a good deck. And a lot of this comes down to um, folks think that Quest Hunter is a an uninteractive deck, right? Where you're just kind of sending spells face, right? In order to get your in order to get your quest objective. But I have come to realize that it is an insanely nuanced deck to play. Um, maybe even better than I am capable of piloting it because there have been real times where I know that I misplayed so fucking hard and I should have, you know, like earlier today I was playing and I like, I looked at it and I was like three damage face is better than killing this three, three, right? No, that three, three ended up doing nine damage to me. I should have fucking killed it. I would have been fine. I just needed to, I, I just needed to have some fucking like patience or whatever. Um, and I think it's a, and I think it's like a, a, a good and interesting um, uh, I don't know it's a good and interesting sort of take on the format of uh, of a of a quest deck though the interesting thing that I'm looking at now that I'm seeing these stats with this hunter deck is that I played 11 rogues and I beat every single one which actually makes quite a lot of sense because it is hard to beat classes that have healing like paladin can sometimes be a counter even though i'm three and one against paladin with that deck um just because they, they have a lot of ability to heal themselves and protect themselves from sort of the onslaught of damage um priest is also pretty similar to that right like i'm three and two against priest druid i'm four and three against druid or whatever um but rogue it really seems like rogues and mages both of whom do not have self-healing tools all that all that much um were were kind of feasted upon uh 
buy this deck. The new version of uh, Questline Hunter that I'm playing, which is a little bit faster, um, I have actually been running into the mirror quite a lot. I am running into other Questline Hunters, which is kind of crazy because it shows that in five days, like, this deck can explode out onto the metagame as a real like kind of contender that kind of came out of uh that kind of came out of nowhere and a big piece of that is prince renathal um have you seen have, have we talked about prince renathal no. at all okay so the next hearthstone set is murder at castle nathria it is uh it's set in the shadowlands um and the promo legendary they, they always do this when they reveal the new hearthstone expansion the promo legendary is prince renathal and he says um your starting health is 40 and your starting deck size is 40, right? Which some people thought to be a good thing, right? Which was, oh my God, I'm never gonna fatigue, right? Um, if I'm playing a really deep control deck, for instance, it is actually really good for me to run this card because I'm just gonna have a lot more, you know, all of the cards that I want to include, I get to include them. This is untrue, right? Like anyone who really thinks about it for a second realizes that no, actually running a 40 card deck is, is bad, actually because it means you are adding first of all prince renaissance who's just a three mana three three or a three mana three four natively right um so you know a bad card nobody would run that card in the deck otherwise um and adding you are also adding the nine worst cards that you cut from the 30 card version of your deck right you know if you want to think about it in those in in those sure. sorts of terms every deck is a collection of the best 30 cards that you can can you put for your archetype um and prince ranathal asks you to add nine worse cards than those cards right and on top of that it also asks you to um uh lose the consistency that would otherwise come with running those cards sure. um so you know you are drawing into your answers less often right uh you are drawing into the best card in your deck less 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 often um you are you are drawing into you know uh, combos right two card synergies that you want to have in your hand less less often um but the big upside is starting with 40 health is kind of huge right um, because so many decks are really built around doing that 30 that specifically 30 damage right i have a deck and it does 30 damage to the opponent, and that's the whole thing it works around. And having an, an extra 10 health buffer is kind of insane for that. And for a deck like Quest Hunter, Quest Hunter only wants you to deal damage with spells, right? The, the thing that you do to advance the quest is you deal damage with spells. It sort of doesn't matter what spells you're dealing the damage with. As long as you are dealing the damage, you're fine, basically. Um... And so it has found itself to be a very unique deck, which is activated by Renathal, because you don't really care all that much about the consistency. The deck has a pretty low curve anyway. It's not like you're going to fuck up your curve all that much. And all you need to do is hit their face with some spells every once in a while, right? In order to, in order to like, get, get there across the line. There's obviously good draws and bad draws. In particular, the hero card Beast, Beast Stalker Tavish is insanely good, um, because what you can do is, if you play the hero quickly enough, the part of the quest that makes your hero power zero will trigger for that and for the rest of the game you are summoning animal companions for free um which is insanely good and kind of one of the ways that this quest th this deck really pops off also b soccer tavish himself uh puts 
really powerful secrets into play. Um, like one of the secrets right now says whenever a minion of yours is destroyed, you resurrect a version of it that is dormant until the beginning of your next turn. So it basically says that your minion can't be interacted with, but if it's something like Brand Bronzebeard that doubles hero powers, or the more powerful version of this is Raj not Naz Raj Nazjan. He's a fucking Naga, so he has a weird ass name. And his thing says after you cast a spell, deal damage equal to its cost to the enemy hero. Well, you can imagine landing a Raz. And then having two Razes spawn on your next turn so that you can sling 10 mana worth of spells at their face is fucking insane. Like, that, that's like a game-winning play. Um, so, that's it. That's my after-action report. Fucking Questline Hunter is nuts. I'm trying to play this deck to legend. This is the fastest I have ever climbed and the farthest I have ever climbed because normally I just kind of peter out somewhere in Platinum. Um... When it comes to when it comes to Hearthstone, because I am typically not doing the thing that I did all weekend, which is just loading up games for no reason. Normally, I am playing to the quests in my quest log, um, just to get like, oh, play three games of Mage or whatever else, right? Um, but I don't know. We're we're gonna do it. Maybe maybe by next time we do the podcast, I'll be I'll be Legend. We have a whole rest of the month to get there. Fair enough. Best of luck. Sounds like quite the Thanks. journey. <laughs> Yeah, well, on my side of things, I saw the best superhero movie I've seen in a while. It is known as Rise, Roar, Revolt, RRR, the, <gasps> the wildest movie I have seen in a long freaking time. Um, I just, by chance, I was with a group of friends, and we were trying to actually watch, we were going to watch um, The Raid, but apparently the Netflix version is dubbed, and so you're like, screw this, or maybe it was the Prime version. It was, it was on some service, and it was dubbed. Okay. And so he's like, we're going to put on, we're just going to watch this. And he puts on RRR, which he had already seen. And it was fucking incredible. Um, and, like, I kind of want to sit down with stuff. Like, I, I fortunately was watching with a friend who is, um, who could explain some of the cultural things to me. Um, uh, but a lot of it's pretty obvious. But, uh, you know, I also want to sit down with him just, like, to explain, like, if the kind of style of this movie like you know, like a lot of this, like a lot of like Bollywood stuff gets kind of like, I don't know, mocked maybe online for being unrealistic. But I think it's like a stylistic choice, right? Like I think the the director here knows what he's doing and is doing it on purpose. This kind of, like it's kind of like a superhero movie, right? And it's ridiculous. Like um, the way this, the way our one friend pitched it to us um, was so forty minutes is a movie. Our two forty minutes is this three hour movie. These two, our two protagonists finally meet each other, and there is a child who is stranded in the middle of a river, and the way they save this child is they tie themselves to a rope, and they both drop, jump off opposite ends of the bridge, or like opposite sides of the bridge, and they swing past each other, right? So the, what, the one that's coming down grabs the child, right? And um, as they are passing, the other one has a flag. This flag is the first unofficial India, like flag of India, right? Because this is a like a Raj era movie. He dips into the mm -hmm. water and he wraps himself in it. Or no, no. So he, they, as they meet in the middle, they, uh, uh, they pa he passes the child off and trades with the flag. And the other guy wraps himself in this flag, and like that's how he survives. Like there's like a fire too, and that's how he survives the flames is by being wrapped in the flag of India, right? Like it oh is my like. God. The, and that's not even the craziest stuff, right? I won't spoil it here, but, like, it is is—it is an absurd movie. It is a ton of fun. I highly recommend it to everyone. There is a, there is, like, 
a dance scene that is so incredible in terms of like what is happening like that i i don't want to spoil it at all just because like it just it just keeps getting better it's like it is so wild it is so wild i i like we like it feels like we're hitting like the climax at like the hour and like at like the hour and a half point and like you know we're, we're like we're just watching the movie right it's like oh is this almost over it's like no we just hit the midway point it's like what the fuck right like this is there is so much so much i highly recommend uh everyone go watch it like we need to do an episode on it at some point just because it's so incredible um, yeah, there was a there was a Patrick A. Twilliams episode about it before it got picked up by Netflix, right? Which was, you know, the the conceit of that episode was he was like, no one is talking about the biggest movie in, of the year so far, which was which is obviously RRR. And the thing that I think is interesting about RRR from that perspective is that it is a truly star-driven blockbuster experience, which is not something we've really had in in, in a long time. It feels like. Um, which is to say, you know, it's not based on anything, right? Like, it's not it's not a franchise or anything along those sorts of lines. Um, it is the biggest movie star in the country, the second biggest movie star in the country, and the most famous director in the country all grouping up together for their one big, you know, blowout thing. And, like, it's... It's crazy to put it in those terms because, like, could you pitch on a... What is the American version of that, right? Like, The Rock is probably the biggest movie star in the country. Who's number two? Uh, I don't even know. Um, Chris Pratt? Yeah, maybe. Maybe? I don't know. Like, I think you could maybe draw parallels to Top Gun Maverick, right? Like, you could maybe... Like, the thing that made sense to me, like, this movie feels almost kind of like Independence Day in a way. Um... Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was huge, right? Jeff Goldblum, Will Smith. Yeah. Um, and just in terms of kind of, like, also, like, part of it, too, is, like, you know, what, like, so one of our other friends was watching us, watching it with us, um, come, like, comes away from it, it's like, is this, like, an ultra-nationalist movie? Like, he's, he, he's, like, he's Chinese. Um, and he was like, this reminds me of, like, some, like, CCP, like, propaganda films I've seen. Yeah, my understanding is that it actually is kind of fucked up. Uh, and it is, so it, it someone... I, I saw another thing. I can't verify this, by the way, but this is just what I saw, um, which is, like, it's kind of like if the, um, you know, like, the, the Republican Party, the alt-right or whatever, made an incredibly, like, bombastic movie about the Founding Fathers, right? Like, a very nationalistic movie about the Revolutionary War um, would, be, would be a similar sort of thing. Um, though, obviously, right, like... <sighs> See, I'm saying so the Republican I, Party. Just like uh, imagine, like a very conservative Republican filmmaker. Imagine Michael Bay. Imagine Michael Bay makes a movie about like George Washington winning the Revolutionary right. War. That, that seems about right because, right, like, it's also it. It is not as far as I can tell. And, and again, this is this is one of the people. One of the people I was watching with was Indian. So it was like, it's not necessarily like the more pernicious parts of that. Like, a a. One of one of the groups that helps um, that helps one of our one of our main heroes is a group of Muslims, right? Like they they shelter him and they help him. So it's it's not like this is like you know the current kind of like ultra nationalist Hindi movement, like that's you know like you know you know uh, you know India's for the Hindus, right? There there are like there are positive um, Muslim characters. They don't play a particularly prominent role, but they are good, right? Like um, and like. The English are kind of cartoonishly evil, but there is a good English character, right? Like, um, uh, uh, so it's it's definitely very, but like I feel like that makes it like like I said, I feel like Independence Day is kind of like in this vein too, 
right? Like, you know, something something that I saw, like, over Independence... I watched this over Independence Day weekend, and something I saw on Twitter just coincidentally around the same time is, like, in Independence Day, you know, there's a scene where the British get a message um, uh, that's, like, the Americans are, are organizing resistance, right? And it's, like, and they say it's about damn time, right? Like, but the understanding there, right, like, the subtext there is that they were waiting for the Americans to do it because they're the people that are going to do it, right? The Americans are the indispensable power, right? This is like American hege hegemony, right? And that's like embodied in the movie, even though it's not kind of explicit. It's a little bit more explicit here, right? Like this is clear, like, you know, this is... Yeah, I mean, it, the weird thing about Independence Day is it is made by a German filmmaker, right? <laughs> Roland Emmerich is nationalistically German who came to Hollywood, right? So it is. it has a little bit of a different connotation than a Hindi, you know, an Indian filmmaker making an Indian movie sure. about, I mean, you know, Indian history, but yeah. I mean, you know, and, you know, there's also kind of like, you know, like, you know, the Raj also wasn't great, right? Like, you know, you know it's, it's not like, you know... This, they are, they are, you know, uh, telling stories out of school, right? Like, you know, um, you know, and, and all that gets muddied up. But I think, still think it's a great movie. I still think it's definitely worth watching. Um, it's it's super over the top. It's super fun. Um, I, I've also seen it compared to Three Hundred, which is maybe the thing that makes me want to watch it the most. Yeah, just because sense. it is it is over the top three, you know, uh, action, you know, history. It, movie like a, like a historical movie that is so stylistically insane that it's not actually accurate, right? Like, yeah, I mean the the, the thing the thing though is that like three hundred like has a kind of like Greek myth kind of attitude toward it. Toward it, imagine this movie is if like you, have you seen like the 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 pictures of like you know like Abraham Lincoln riding a bear or like Ronald Reagan yeah. riding a riding a raptor? Yeah, <laughs> it's like that made into a movie, but for India, right? Like, yeah. Um, but it's like that level of absurd, right? Like it is, it is, like it has to be. I don't want to spoil any of it, but it has to be seen. And also, like there were some cultural, like cu cultural points that I didn't get, but were but were explained to me. Like um, the care, like one of the characters basically, like he gets hurt, and then he gets healed, and like when he shows up again, it's a big moment. And it was explained to me, like, he's basically in the form of, like, Shiva the Destroyer at that point, right? Like, anybody who, like, is familiar with, like, is, is familiar with the tradition would be like, oh, that's what that is, right? Like, um, so, like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and it's worth watching. Um, absolutely. Even, even, even if, you know, there's maybe some bad elements to it, it's still worth watching, I think. Um, uh, on top of that, um, I also watched a weird amount of community. It was kind of like a thing we, that we had on in the background. So, um, we, we actually, so it turns out that like the net Netflix got rid of the first D and D episode. Um, but Amazon prime did not. So uh, we kind of skipped around and watched a bunch of it. Um, hell yeah. I love that show, right? Like it was, it was great going back to it. It felt like warping. It's been a long enough time that I didn't remember everything super well, but like, it felt like warp, wrapping myself in a warm, warm blanket. Um, interesting kind of observations like how flanderized Britta got right like she mm -hmm. went from being like okay to being kind of like very airheaded um i don't know whereas everybody else kind of moderated except for maybe pierce um who you know obviously uh you know ends up dying at some point um yeah are we gonna we should do a community episode of of the podcast have we ever done a venture brothers episode no way right? i've never watched the venture brothers so 
Okay. <laughs> Man, that's one. Oh, God. Oh, holy shit. I just, like, I, I saw a frame of, a, like, somebody used an, an a Venture Brothers frame to express something on Twitter. It was, like, disapproval, right? Like, you know, it was, and I was just like, <sighs> Venture Brothers, I need it. <laughs> I need it in my life. Yeah, I mean, mostly the thing I was watching was Popstar Never Stop, Never Stopping. I have watched that nine or ten times <laughs> i don't know why i i the thing was is i was like i was like should i get should i like buy this on amazon prime and i was like yeah I, I, this is a movie that i love i think it's hilarious and i just kept putting it back on in the same way that i was because it is sort of a musical right um in the same way that i was that i was watching uh inside not all that long ago uh i was watching pop star never stop never stopping um I just love that. I just, I don't know. It's, it's a, an incredible, it is an incredible piece of filmmaking and it sucks because it bombed at the box office, right? Uh, there was a tweet thread going around that was, you know, there used to be these parody movies, right? Whenever a genre would get too big, there would be a parody movie that would kind of take it down a peg, right? Um, and there just hasn't been anything like that in the last however many years. And uh, it's because Walk Hard you know, pop star, uh, they came together. Have you ever seen They Came Together? Oh, yeah, 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 no, yeah. That's, that's by um, uh, the Stella Group, which I love, right? Yeah, like, yeah, um, it's got Paul Rudd. All of those movies, guy. all of those movies bombed at the box office, right? So there's just like not a lot of room for, I don't know, there's just not a lot of room for it. But well, pop star is so good, like, <laughs> and we're, we're about, so we've got Walk Hard, we've got Pop Star, we're about to get the trifecta with like. The semi-serious Weird Al biopic, right? Like, oh I, yeah, actually, that's true. We maybe should do a an unofficial trilogy of those three yeah, movies. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Oh, man. We already did Walk Hard, right? Like, oh, man, yeah, I fucking love Walk <laughs> Hard. A, I also, I all actually, I one. So this is all while I was playing Hearthstone, right? One time I did, I was watching Popstar. And then they did a bit that reminded me of Walk Hard, so I paused it. I started playing Walk Hard. I watched the entirety of Walk Hard, and then I went back into Popstar. Oh, this, this sounds like a B-movie bit, right? Like, Walk yeah. or Popstar, <laughs> but every time, you know, he says Pop, you, you just Walk Hard. Um. <laughs> Honestly, the thing about Popstar... Maybe I should save these opinions for for an actual eventual episode. Is that it? Just is is full of good bits, right? There's a deleted scene <laughs> that I didn't actually know until I started listening to the soundtrack on Spotify, right? And they have a bonus song which is called "Fuck Off," right? And I was like, "What is like? What is this song about?" And the lyrics to um, uh, and the lyrics to "Fuck Off." Is uh, it's like it's like a it's like a kids it's like a kids song. So the lyrics are, "Hey, this one is dedicated to all the little kids out there whose parents are always riding them, telling them to do your homework, never letting you eat dessert, making you go to bed before you're ready." Well, listen, the next time they're acting bogus, I want you to try this out. Stand up on your tippy toes, look them dead in the eye, and say, "Mom and Dad, you can both fuck off." I don't want your life. I don't owe you shit. I hate your rules. Fuck off. You can suck my dick, motherfucking shithead bitch. You can fuck off. I'm going to live forever. And it's just like, that's a deleted scene. It's, it wasn't even good enough 
for the final cut of the movie. Oh, but it's so funny. Oh, God. It's just, it's so full of, it's just a, a nonstop roller coaster of bits. But it also has this, like, heart to it that I find very authentic. Mostly because, like, you know, the Lonely Island are... I don't know them or, like, pay that much. To, you know, like, I don't know their life story or whatever. All I know is that Hot Rod is really funny, and they eventually got, like, hired on SNL um, because they started – they made, like, a web series that was a parody of the OC called The Boo, and that was the thing that made them, like, blow up in the first place, and they started, like, all this other stuff, like, making music or whatever. But it's just, like – it's just a very wholesome story about, like, these three guys, and they're all buds. Yeah. Anyway. I, I do want to say that, like – um, so I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now, and there's a section called Further Work, colon, Dick in a Box, and Hot Rod. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, we've also oh. done Hot Rod, actually. Yeah, this yeah. is This is a weird, a weirdly good spiritual successor to, to Hot Rod, just as a, uh, I, you know, as this grouping of, of guys. Have you seen, um, have you seen Palm Springs? Because I have not. Yes! Yes, I have. Palm Springs is very good. Uh, Palm Springs is, yeah, it's fair. I actually, I just watched it with Rachel, actually, because I was showing one of the nights that I was no-lifing this Hearthstone deck. I was showing Rachel um, the, the current season of Patrick H. Willems' YouTube content, right? Because it's framed in the narrative device, and I wanted to re-watch the narrative device so that when I got up to the feature film that he put out that is all narrative capping off the season, um, I just I had seen I had seen everything. And he does an episode on time loop movies, right? Um, and specifically about how time loop movies take on new meaning during the pandemic, because like everyone was inside. Right. This is in 2020, right? Like everyone's locked inside, right? And when you're not going out and doing things, like psychologically speaking, you 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 your life becomes so patterned that it like fucks with your mental health or whatever. Um, and he was just talking about how Palm Springs was kind of like the perfect movie for that moment because it represented that like repeating the same day over and over again thing. Yeah. Well, I need to watch that eventually. Um but, you know, we've kind of run out of – run towards the end of our time we've run over. Do you have anything else you want to talk about or should I close this out? Uh, I have nothing else that I am looking to talk about. All right. Well, then, if you would like to tell us what you thought about any of the things we talked about in this movie, you can reach us at subversiveplaygames at gmail.com or podcasts at subversiveplaygames.com. You can follow us on twitch.tv slash subversiveplaygames uh, where these go out live uh, most Mondays, I guess is what I'll say. Um, we should be recording next week as well. Um, yep. Uh you can find us on SoundCloud. We have we put the videos on, on YouTube. Um, like I put up one from two weeks ago today because I just remembered. Um, what else? We're on all the podcast apps. Rate and review us. We're on Spotify. Do whatever you want. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's everything I have. But do you have anything you're looking to promote? Uh, I guess besides Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping, no. <laughs> I saw I saw you tweeted an article about uh, about your your company's dice game. That's true. Yeah, Estrella. So Estrella was just at uh, the the Brazilian Games Festival, the Brazilian uh, the big, uh, which I weirdly I was a judge for them one year. They they were like, hey, we know you guys published this you know Brazilian game called uh, Relic Hunters. They were like, we know you published this Brazilian game. Do you want to do you want to like be a jury? And I was like, fucking sure, yeah. So I was on the jury uh, for for like all of the awards for for the games, which I couldn't do this year because we obviously had Estrella in attendance. Um, but uh, but yeah, Australia Australia got a big write up in the PC in PC Gamer because um, it is 
I, have I ever talked? Have you ever seen Estrella? Have, I, have we ever talked about it? Uh, you, you, you've mentioned it a couple of times before. I'm, I'm interested. In it. I'm super <clears> interested <throat> in it because it's, it's, it's like essentially. Yeah. Um, say this. Oh, is, is this this is the poker one, right? Like, no, no. no so there's two. There's okay. Zoetti is the poker one, okay. and then this one, Estrella, is dice, right? So it is slay the spire, but you are picking up dice uh, for you know your uh, your deck instead of cards. Um, and and uh, there's there's other mechanics that are that are kind of like underneath it, but man, the mid, the first second I started playing Estrella, I was like immediately hooked. I was like, this is my shit. Um, and so, um, uh, yeah, is is Grime is Grime also by a Brazilian developer? Grime is by an Israeli developer. Oh, uh, okay, it's Clover okay. Byte in Israel. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, so deck out. Uh, when does Estrella come out? Do we know? Is it announced? Uh, we do not have a release date for Australia yet, uh, but you know it's soon. It's on the docket. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean you know I I I have not played a Akapar game that I disliked. Um, so yeah. Uh, Famously, all of our games are positive on Steam. Are very positive, mostly positive, except for I think Spinch, which I think is at mixed right now because it's at sixty nine percent. And that's like the cutoff, sixty nine seventy or something. Why? Why is Finch? Is it because like the technical problems? Uh, it is very hard. I think oh. is a big one. Yeah, um, but like hard platformers are not like a, an unusual thing, right? Like ah, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna worry yeah, too much yeah, yeah. about Fair. it. Anyway, <laughs> um, so you know, I should just ask this much. I think that's enough. Until next time, your listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.